Welcome to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. Here in the studio with my co-host, Fran Gavin. Good evening, Fran. Good evening, Tim. And joining us in uh, the studio this evening, a uh, very special guest, uh, Dr. Greg Troxell, who is the superintendent of schools in Phillipsburg. Uh, and our topic for this evening is something that's very relevant, very timely, and that is the impending uh, and uh, existing teacher shortage that uh, schools throughout New Jersey, throughout the nation are, are faced with. So, Greg, welcome very uh, uh, to the show. We really appreciate your coming on. And thank you so much for the invitation and certainly always uh, look forward to speaking with you. And it was a, uh, seemed like, it seemed like an, an, a neat opportunity to participate. So uh, I look forward to it. Thank you. All right. So maybe I'll, I'll start it off. Um, you know, shortages in certain uh, certification areas, especially, uh, uh, you know, for school leaders who are, uh, you know, um, have a comprehensive program like uh, Phillipsburg does with compre uh, comprehensive high school and uh, you know, a very large uh, middle school, very large district. Um, we've always seen uh, shortages in certain cert certification areas. Always tough to find a chemistry teacher or a physics teacher. Always tough to find a Latin teacher. Uh, <laughs> right, Fran? Uh, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, or other types of world language teachers, but now we're starting to see the uh, the shortage kind of spill out into uh, other areas. Um, how is this affecting Phillipsburg uh, right now? You know, Tim, it's it's actually gotten to uh, not. I'm not an alarmist. Uh, for those who know me, uh, I'm, I'm a real, a very much a realist, uh, and you know, sort of roll with the punches, so to speak. But I'm very, I'm very concerned at um, the lack of teaching candidates that are that have been applying for our open positions. I, you know, it really, we were starting to see it slightly before the pandemic. Um, so I don't think this is necessarily a pandemic-related problem. The pandemic has certainly, I think, um, revved up uh, the issues that we're having in personnel. But the last few time, last few positions that we've had. Uh, where we would have maybe had 12, 14 applicants, um, we are getting zero applicants or maybe one or two applicants. And this is not just, as you mentioned earlier, Tim, in, in high-need positions in physics and in, in, in English and math and, and sciences and some of your world languages. Um, these are uh, special education positions. Of which we have over ninety. We have we have over nine hundred special. We have over nine hundred special education students in our district, and we have over ninety special education teachers in our district. Uh, so the turnover, just through general, um, you know, just through attrition, uh, retirements, as well as the need for additional special education positions, uh, we, we literally have four open special education positions in our district right now that we cannot fill. We have not been able to fill. Um, it's 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 very scary, um, and that's not even talking about bus drivers and food service personnel and our power professionals, um, you know, sort of our support staff. These are just certificated personnel that you know truly are are, are the nuts and bolts of of our of our instructional program. So uh, it's it's really reached a critical uh, you know sort of a, a critical point, and and you know it's, this is not unique to Phillipsburg. You know I speak to my colleagues around the state, speak to more so around those in Warren County, and everybody is experiencing the exact same problem. How how do you think it's affected uh, uh, just the the day to day daily operations of of, of your buildings? Well. 
it has impacted it primarily the most at the high school and the middle school. Um, and w what have we done when we have shortages? We have our teachers who have preparation periods, as you know, teachers get X amount of preparation periods per day. Uh, we have to assign those periods, their prep periods. Um, we have to assign them teaching periods during their prep periods in order to patch the holes in the teacher schedules that we can't fill. So, yes, teachers are required to be paid during that time and they get their instructional rate, but it's leading to burnout and it's leading to, to poor staff morale because whether it's five or six extra thousand dollars to teach an extra class a year, it's, the teachers really don't want it. And, and that's no disrespect to the teachers. Um, they, they don't want it because they're already taxed out having to deal with what they have to deal with. Um, now, they don't have a choice. Contractually, we can assign them that, and we really don't have any other choice but to ask our teachers to assist when we have these shortages in our schedule. But the, but the net effect of that is burned out teachers. Um, and so that's not good either. And, and, and poor, poor staff morale is not good either. And that can be contagious to a negative effect. So I think that's sort of been the net effect of what has happened, um, that we're just overtaxing our, our teachers who are there every day. Um, and also, you know, there's a shortage of substitutes. So when we have, when we don't have substitutes, we have to sort of patch those schedules together with teachers that have open periods. So it literally means that a teacher's coming in in the morning and, and, and not getting a break throughout the day. Like they have to call the principal to get a bathroom break. And the only break they may be getting is the 25 minute lunch break. Getting. Um, just not truly healthy environments, especially given what, what has taken place with the pandemic. And we know what kind of staff morale issues we're facing around the state and around the country, just trying to get through the pandemic, these pandemic times. And then you throw on additional work um, that they didn't even have pre pandemic. And it's just been a recipe for, um, you know, uh, a, a difficult, a difficult district to lead and run uh, and all the way down to the building level, difficult for our principals to continue to lead and, and run their buildings day to day. Um, it, it's, it's been a challenge for sure. So, um, Greg, has there, you, you've described how teachers, uh, have to cover either if there's a lack of subs or, you can't fill a, a position that's become vacant. Um, and I understand that stress part, but another aspect of it is uh, it takes away a prep period uh, or prep time, which, so have you seen any, uh, I don't know, degradation is the right word, but any uh, negative effects in, in uh, delivery of instruction as a result of the inability to have uh, the, the appropriate uh, prep uh, prep time for uh, teachers in, in these kinds of circumstances? That's a great question, and, and I think the, the short answer is no. Um, but how we really truly measured it, um, you know, quantitatively, qualitatively, probably not. But we have very dedicated teaching staff, and, and, and so those individuals that are having to utilize their prep time to teach an extra class, you know, what does that mean? That means that the prep time that they would have gotten for their 55-minute prep during the day, now when they go home, or before they come to school or, you know, at, directly after school or, you know, in the evening when they may be, be able to spend time with their children or, you know, just sort of relax and enjoy the evening. They're, they're, they're having to prep, you know, on, on their own time in the evening. So, um, you know, I, I don't, we haven't seen teachers unprepared um, at, at all, but, 
you know, that's like, like I said, it's not something we're, 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 we're literally at the point where we're just, we're praying that we have a, a body to cover our, our classes. And uh, unfortunately, quality isn't something that, um, that, 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 you know, that is, is immediately coming to mind. And, and I know that might sound, you know, maybe not the, what somebody wants to hear coming from a superintendent, but when you, when you have 20 staff members out, you know, at a high school of 120 staff members and you have another, you know, four unfilled teaching positions and you have three maternity leaves and you have two COVID leaves, you just have to make sure your classes are covered. Um, and we haven't sent kids in large swaths, like some districts are just sending, when classes are not able to be covered, they're just sending the kids to the cafeteria. And you've got 150, 200 kids in large cafetoriums or gymnasiums. Um, when they don't have subs, that's what they do. We, we haven't had to do that. We are paying teachers to cover during their prep time so that we have adequately covered classes, well-supervised classes, and providing the best education we can given the, def the difficult times that, that we're facing. Greg, do you think that uh, uh, the uh, idea of teacher coverage uh, might come up uh, in the next uh, bargaining agreement with all the terms and conditions, you know, of employment, of course, are, you know, covered by that collective bargaining agreement? It differs from district to district. I've seen some uh, uh, contracts that limit the number of times that a teacher can be asked to cover, even though, even though they are paid for it. Uh, do you think that there could be, um, you know, that might be one of the implications of what's going on now that maybe your association will say, wait a minute, we have to try to get, gather a little bit more control over that situation? It's, it's a great question. We literally just commenced negotiations. Our contract expires uh, June 30th of 2022. So we just, we just literally had our first meet and greet session uh, the middle of February. Um, I don't know. I think the teachers recognize that this isn't necessarily an administrative issue. It's not like we're not trying to attract teachers. We're not trying to save money. We're not trying to keep people off guide and and, and not and not uh, benefit. You know, you know, providing them with benefits. And it's not like we're doing it to try to save money. I think they recognize this this ultimate shortage, um, but they do take us to task in what we're doing. Uh, to think outside the box to attract teaching candidates for sure. Um, so I think if they felt we were sitting idle and we were just relying 100% on teachers covering and we weren't doing our due diligence, trying to go out and attract, going to job fairs, um, you know, using social media platforms and, and, and attracting, putting ads in papers for $3,000 on a Sunday, uh, if they knew we weren't doing those things, I think they'd be a little, uh, a little bit more, uh, pushing about maybe taking some of these clauses out of the contract or putting clauses in to limit their membership's ability to work on their prep period. But I think it's been a cooperative spirit that they've been cooperating with us in regard to that. So I don't think it would, it would hamstring negotiations, but we just started. So uh, we haven't even seen any of their proposals yet. So I, I, nothing would surprise me through negotiations, but I do believe, I do believe that they recognize that we are, we are, as well as, um, you know, these NJEA serve representatives that come in and negotiate these contracts are representing other districts as well. And I think this is a, a statewide problem that they're saying, but I don't think it's specific to Phillipsburg. Yeah, so, yeah, I think, I think it's going to become an issue uh, in negotiations in one, one uh, way or another, whether it's limiting the number of times a teacher can be asked to cover or increasing the pay that they get uh, uh, for that. It would just seem to be that, um, you know, having 
seen it used so many times in so many districts in the last couple of years, you know, during this, during the pandemic and during the shortage, uh, that uh, the associations would want to get a little control over that. So I can see the NJEA kind of making it at least a talking point. Absolutely, and, and clearly, clearly, uh, you know, upping upping the amount of money that their that their members are getting, I can see that being a uh, a point of contention. Maybe not necessarily eliminating eliminating the the administrative's ability to assign them, but maybe what compensation rate is. I can see that being uh, something that they would look for. Sure. What is uh, what is Felsberg paying for a daily sub now? So what we try to do is we try to attract permanent subs. So our permanent subs are getting $140 a day. Uh, that's a, that, those, those are individuals that have committed to a specific building five days a week. So uh, that's ideal because you at least can bank on those people being there. So we try to have two or three permanent subs available at our high school, two to three at our middle school, and two at our other three buildings. And our daily subs are getting $120 a day. Um, and that's up from, that's up from $95 uh, just a year ago. Um, so that's significant. We've raised those rates pretty significantly over the last, you know, over the last, you know, uh, uh, 12 months. Well, I think that this is probably a good time for us to take a short break. Uh, you, you are listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the uh, voice of Centenary University, and we will be right back. And we are back on Leadership Matters, WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. Here on Leadership Matters, Tim Fredericks, along with my co-host, Fran Gavin, uh, and our special guest in the studio tonight, uh, Phillipsburg Superintendent, Dr. Greg Troxell. Greg, when we uh, left off, we were talking a little bit about subs, uh, you know, as one of the strategies to try to um, um, get around this teacher shortage and, uh, you know, our, our, our need to cover classes, et cetera. Um, what are some of the other things that maybe Phillipsburg and other schools are doing uh, kind of creatively to, to address this issue uh, outside of increasing substitute pay? Well, Tim, I really believe that districts are going to be limited in really what they can do individually. And I think what you're seeing, and you probably follow this very closely, uh, we, we need legislative action. Um, you know, and I'll just use one example. If you are unfamiliar or you weren't unfamiliar, I'm not sure, uh, maybe some of your listeners may be unfamiliar with where Phillipsburg actually exists. We are, we are literally a half a mile from the Pennsylvania border. And the teacher residency requirement has really hurt Phillipsburg. Um, so legislation like that, that, that I understand what the intentions of that legislation were, but us trying to attract New Jersey candidates geographically where we're located is very difficult. Um, we're, we're probably 30, oh, maybe longer than 40 miles from the nearest school. And East Stroudsburg, Moravian, um, there's, there's a bunch of schools across the river from us. Uh, and there's a lot of students, you know, graduating students in the Lehigh Valley that come back home, that went to Liberty, that went to Freedom, that went to North Nazareth, Northampton, um, all of these local Easton. Uh, and, and many of them don't think they can work in New Jersey because they don't live there. They don't know that they have a year to, to move or get a waiver. So the residency requirement has absolutely hurt. And this is, this is 10 years now, residency requirement. So I'm hopeful that things like that and I'm hearing that that's, they're going to put a three-year a three hiatus on the residency requirement. 
Um, that's vital to the 14 border counties in the state of New Jersey. Um, you know, so you're seeing that they're allowing retired teachers to come back and teach without having any impact on their pensions. Um, you're, you saw this a substitute teacher process. They went down to 30 credits from 60 credits. I mean, these are things that school districts can't do, right? We can't hire a teacher uh, that was retired without legislators doing something. We can't forgive residency requirements unless the legislators act. We can't allow substitute teachers to come in with 30 credits unless it's legislatively uh, done. Um, you know, so those kinds of things um, are, are critical. Uh, they're looking at the ed TPA, uh, the, the Educational Teacher Performance Assessment, and, uh, and, and whether or not, you know, that has sort of had an impact on teachers. The reality is this. I mean, the statistics are very clear. Ten years ago, we had 20, 21,000 kids uh, that would be getting into teaching every year. We'd have about 6,000, 6,500 that would complete uh, their, 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 their course of study. We have about 10,000 kids getting into it and about 2,900 kids that are completing. So statistically, we're not, we're, we're not getting a lot of completers in the state of New Jersey at the state schools where kids are getting in, not, not enough for getting into it and not enough for finishing. And I think the question we have to ask ourselves is why? Um, because we can't continue to throw money at the problem. We can't continue to pay subs 150, 190, 200. We can't continue to pay starting teachers 70,000. We can't continue to, because we're still held to a 2% cap. So we're going to have all these exorbitant expenses that, yeah, we have some federal money that we'll be able to patch our budgets, but two years, that's going to be gone. And we're going to be stuck with budgets that are going to be reflective of these additional costs that are going to be self, that are going to be sustaining. These are one-time costs. You raise subs, you know, it was a $90,000 hit to our district to raise our sub rate. I mean, you know, now we have a $75 million budget, we'll handle it. But Teachers are, you know, the teachers are going to come in and say, we need more money for teachers to raise staff morale. We need more for starting teaching salary because we want to attract better teachers. We want to get teachers, um, you know, to come from other districts. So <clears throat> those things make sense and those things sound good. But over time, they can have catastrophic effects, effects on district's budget. So we need legislative action. Um, you know, right now, the certification process is months for somebody to get the certificate. I mean, that's not fair to districts that are that are hamstrung by this Department of Education because whether they don't have enough evaluators, I don't know what the issue is, but it's taking a long time to get to get student to get uh, new teachers onboarded and get their certificates. So we need some legislative, um, you know, some legislative action, maybe some college loan forgiveness, um, and there has to be stronger pipelines of um, uh, of getting more kids. I say kids, right? More students into uh, the teaching profession or desirous to get into the teaching profession. <clears throat> Since 2011, this profession has been under complete assault. Um, and I'm not a political guy, but you know, we had a governor back then that really, you know, really took a hammer to to the to the to the, uh, the public sector, um, chopped away at longstanding benefits that got chipped away at. Um, you know, really decimated. Uh, what was, you know, a, a pretty good pension system that new teachers or, you know, seasoned teachers would talk to, you know, new teachers about, you know, this is a good profession, you know, you can, you can raise your kids and, you know, uh, you'll have, you'll have good benefits and you'll have, you'll have a good salary and you'll, you know, you'll be able to, you know, retire with a good pension. Well, those, those things got chiseled away. Um, you know, you can't retire at 55 anymore if you're a new teacher, you're 65. 
um, and and um, you know you 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 know your 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 benefits are you know are, are are much costlier today than they've ever been. So I think all of those things have compounded of what has happened in the state. And without some legislative action, I just don't think we can sit around and say, "Well, the teachers will come back," you know, because more and more teachers are getting out because of the very things that I just mentioned prior. Um, you know, it's very difficult to work in the political or in the uh, in the in the uh, the public sphere today. Um, you know, it's so, an atmosphere. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Tim. I'm sorry for interrupting. Um, uh, you talked about uh, the attractiveness of the job. Um, my experience um, in, in the district where I teach is they're starting to get a run on what I would say younger folks, you know, 50s, deciding they're going to pack it in because the the effect of COVID and how that's uh, affected the students. I mean, the, the students, uh, they, they're... They're behind. Uh, they've lost a year and a half of socialization. So we were, teachers are running into a lot of issues in the classroom, especially in the lower grades. Um, and they're saying, I'm done. Um, are you seeing that in, in Phillipsburg? You know, Fran, 100%. You know, uh, teachers that I've been in this school district for 28 years, started my career here Um you know, I'm a fairly, I'm a fairly young superintendent. Um, I've worked now with teachers that I came in with that are around my age, 49, 50 years old, um, that I would have never dreamt I would hear some of the things that they say to me. And, and, and we have close relationships because we've been in the district for 25 years and, and, and people that are just completely burned out. Um, the teacher morale has just taken a nosedive the past two years. Um, you know, teaching double time with students in a classroom, you have those that are learning at home, trying to manage this revolving door of quarantining children for 10 days and maneuvering, you know, the social distancing protocols. And don't forget, many of these people have their own families that are trying to meet the profession, you know, that they're trying to meet their personal obligations, their professional obligations, and people are just taxed. And they're, you know, they're um, luckily for some of those individuals, they're they're in a tier one pension, so they can retire, um, you know, with 25 years at 55 or, or before with a slight penalty. Um, so absolutely people that I would have never dreamt that would say I need to get out of here. Um, I'm just I'm, it's, I've just I've had my fill. I would have never dreamt that. And so then you have the other and you have the other end. Good friend. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. Well, the effect of that is it's compounding the situation. Right. If we have a if the pipeline is is becoming a little uh, less full uh, because not enough uh, young people are, are choosing education as a career and we have people accelerating their retirement. I mean, that's like the China syndrome here or of of uh, of professional need. Exactly. And, and so when you look at the charts that you know, uh, pensions will put out and you say, how many people are eligible for retirement over the next five to 10 years? The, the numbers are staggering and there's just not enough. There's just not enough bodies to replace them. And it's not, it's not going to happen. It, it's not going to happen. The bodies are not going to be there based on the numbers. These, these, you know, I always say facts are stubborn things. The facts are that there's not enough students completing their degrees in New Jersey to fill the positions that are currently open, let alone 
forecasting the openings that we know are going to exist uh, in, in, the, in the very in the near future. So, and, and again, I say all the time, not an alarmist, but this has gotten and because we never saw this before in Philadelphia. Um, you know, we have we have one of the starting highest. We have started sixty seven thousand dollars here. Uh, we have one of the highest highest starting salaries, uh, definitely in Warren County, uh, and one of the highest in the state. So we've always felt like we have a little bit of a leg up. If somebody, at least, we, if we can get, you know, the candidates that are graduating in front of us, uh, we we can attract them with the facilities we have, with uh, you know the traditions we have, with you know what we we were able to sell to those individuals. Um, but we're not even seeing it. You know, we're not even seeing it. Uh, we're just not seeing that. We're just not seeing the numbers uh, that we used to see. Well, I know some so, districts are starting uh, brand new teachers, uh, not on step one, but they're, they're bumping them up the guide a little bit just as an enticement to get them in the building. And they figure once they get them in, well, they'll see how uh, rewarding the profession is in the, and what a good climate we have in the particular building. And they'll stay on. Um, but I think you're right. It's uh, there's a crisis chugging down the, the railroad tra track here, and we're, we're tied to the rails. On on the on the preparation side, uh, I can I can tell you that you know it's been happening in, uh, for a while, uh, from the uh, raising of the minimum GPA, uh, which happened I think in 2016. Um, uh, a, a stricter um, interpretation of uh, certification on the certification code for certain certificates like special ed, uh, handicap certificate, and now the TOSD, which, which uh, still requires at the middle and high school level a content specialist for your uh, uh, resource rooms, right? You just can't have a special ed teacher teaching it. Have, to have a special ed teacher plus someone with the content knowledge, right, for all of the subjects that are contained within the settings for special ed. Um, uh, students that are in the pipeline now, prospective teachers have to pass three assessments before they even get into a classroom. They need to pass the Praxis Core, which is a big barrier, especially to students of color. Uh, and it has uh, uh, been identified really as the primary uh, barrier uh, to diversifying the teacher workforce, which is a, another really big issue in New Jersey. 57% of New Jersey students are students of color, identified as students of color, yet 85% of, of their teachers are white in New Jersey. That's a big, big discrepancy. Um, and then, of course, they have to take the content area praxis as well before they even do student teaching. And then, Greg, you had mentioned Ed TPA, the performance assessment, uh, during their student teaching, or if they're alternate route candidates, so you know during their induction phase, uh, uh, the alternate route program. Um, all of those high stakes tests. Not only, not only are they um, uh, challenging for some students, they're expensive as well. So, so these are kind of uh, artificial barriers that are put up that are exasperating this condition on, on the uh, preparation side. Yeah, and, and like I said, none of us can control that. I mean, really, uh, that's why we need, we need help. We, we, we definitely need help at, at the, and, and you know, it's gonna take a lot of courage for, for politicians to stand up 
and make and, and because their detractors are going to say we're we're lowering the quality, right? We're, they're going to attack them politically yep. by they've lowered the standard. We've got inferior products of teachers coming into our buildings. I mean, that's just an easy attack on a politician. So the easiest thing to do, and I'm in this uh, CJ Pride Initiative, the Central Jersey Program for the Recruitment of Diverse Educators, and I'm on their legislative team. Um, and you know, the politicians that because make it make it very clear that they're, they're open to putting things like putting things um, in a moratorium for three years, right? They're okay with that. Um, but once you start to talk about eliminating testing or eliminating the TPA or eliminating the GPA requirements, um, they're not in for that. They'll say, hey, listen, let's, we can talk about three years, um, you know, to see whether or not this, we're able to increase the candidate pools for, for, uh, for our schools, uh, which is fine. I mean, if that's the direction we have to go, but, all of the things you mentioned, Tim, all of the test taking, all of the fees, uh, the assessments, um, they're, they're tremendous barriers for, for, for these students. The GPA, um, the, 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 max, you know, the GPA that's required. We in Phillipsburg, um, we have seen a tremendous influx of, of, uh, of minority students, of, of, uh, of non-white students. Um, you know, we're over 50% now, K to eight in our district and our board, we just got our first uh, female uh, black board member and our first male black board member the last three years, uh, which is an outstanding, uh, an outstanding feat for our board of education. Our board is now diversified, um, but the push is to try to attract um, a diverse. And it, we went from really a focus and a push in doing that to like, wow, like that's not even going to be our focus. Now we're still going to look for diverse teachers. Don't get me wrong, but we're looking just for for somebody to fill our open positions. So that's unfortunate because if you look at the completers, I said, you know, maybe 10,000 students starting and about 2,900 completing. And then you look at, like you said, Tim, how many of those 2,900 completers are students uh, of color? I, I don't know what the number is, but it's really, really low. It's really low. Um, and then take Phillipsburg's problem and you say, okay, you've got maybe some of these students at Keene or Rutgers or, or Centenary and you say, okay, they have a lot of opportunities around them, who's driving an hour to come out to Phillipsburg? Not many people when they're going to have these opportunities, you know, you know with a five mile radius of their district. Um, so, yeah, I, I think some of the things you mentioned has to be, have to be looked at, um, at least short term, to try to get this pipeline going again. You, you know that there is a, uh, a, Senate, a proposed Senate bill uh, to eliminate the EdTPA. But it's, it's and I think I think there's been, I think it's been massed in the assembly as well. Yes, and uh, you know they're having uh, I think uh, uh, a hearing on that hearing only right uh, Monday, and they're taking testimony from various groups and of course the um, uh, colleges of uh, of uh, of New Jersey the teacher prep colleges uh, have an association so our association is NJACTE and we've been asked to testify uh, for that bill we've been trying to get some flexibility there, not to eliminate the performance assessment. We understand, you know, the importance of that, but to give some flexibility and not lock into just one, uh, you know, one Pearson product, you know, I'll, I'll say the, the, the Pearson. Yeah, and, and, and I think, Tim, for the individual students to register for that test, I think to register for Pearson is $300. $300, and then if they have to take any part of it over again, there's three parts to it, and they they would have to pay an extra hundred bucks or or whatever to re, uh, repeat that. So, well, you got strong opposition to your to your uh, 
the Euro Association, because the NJEA is strongly opposed to the continued use of the ITPA. Yes. Yep. And uh, they are the gorilla in the room. So, well, this is probably a good time for us to take another break. You've been listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University, and we will be right back. And welcome back to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. I'm Tim Fredericks, along with my co-host, Frank Gavin, in the studio with our very special guest, Dr. Greg Troxell from Phelpsburg. Um, and we're discussing the, uh, the very real, uh, not impending, but the very real here and now teacher shortage and uh, different strategies that districts and uh, educational leaders can use to try to hedge a little bit and what some of the uh, uh, real kind of statewide policy or legislative barriers are, uh, you know, to this problem and how they how that could possibly be solved. Uh, when we uh, left off after the last segment, we were talking a little bit about um, uh, the pipeline um, uh, barriers, such as the practice and the EdTPA, uh, things like that. Um, one of the other things that um, um, uh, some districts are doing uh, is a grow your own uh, program. Um, Greg, I'm not sure whether you, you know you've uh, discussed this and uh, the work that you're doing with um, uh, the group to diversify the teacher uh, workforce, um, where districts kind of um, celebrate the art of teaching and elevate it within their high schools uh, itself and get uh, potential teachers, future teachers, psyched about it so that they can start their journey to becoming a teacher while they're still in high school, and then hopefully come back and serve in uh, in the high school that they went to. You know, and in that way, uh, the teacher workforce is maybe more reflective of what the community looks like. Have, have you discussed any programs like that? Well, I'm not sure how familiar you are, Tim. You know that we're doing some dual enrollment work through Centenary. I think you were involved in that with uh, with uh, Dr. Olivo, uh, Amy, right. um, and, and we, so we have four courses, I believe, now education courses that we offer at our high school that are taught by our staff that are that that count for centenary four four credits per course. Uh, I think we have a special education course, an educational psychology course. Um, uh, what are the other two, Tim? Do you know off the top of your head, whatever yeah. they are. Uh, yeah, they uh, uh, they were uh, the uh, the psychology of uh, high and low instances, which is really the the introduction to special ed, right. foundations of special ed, uh, an ed psych course. Uh, typically, the uh, the beginning courses that that students take before they get into kind of the meat and the potatoes, uh, so the freshman level uh, classes that they would take here at Centenary. I think that that's great, uh, I, and I was hoping that you would mention that. Um, uh, do you see any kind of vacation um, from the students that are in those programs that they're going to follow through and they're going to become teachers and, and they're going to look back to their hometown to come come back home? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of, one of probably my greatest uh, weeks of every year is that one of the courses that is, that, that is taught at, at our high school uh, again, through Centenary University, is the students interview me individually. So I get, and it's it's taxing, but I get that they have to, they're required to interview the superintendent. Um, and the excitement that I hear, um, first of all, our teachers, some of our teachers that are teaching these courses have had literally a rebirth. 
you know, because they've got kids that want to be in there, kids that are interested in going into education. Um, and so the, a lot of these teachers have found a new sense of purpose in teaching. Uh, and these students, and we have a lot of, we have, a, we have a decent amount of students that are taking these classes, are so engaged and so interested in pursuing the teaching profession. I mean, most of them, if not all of them, are, are going to continue to pursue their educational degrees. So I think it's things like that, you know, starting Future Teachers of America, Future Educators of America Club, FEA is what we call ours, having these dual enrollment classes and getting, um, and because, especially when you talk about diverse educators, we may not have an opportunity to attract somebody maybe um, from an hour away that goes to Keene and, and, and has the ability to go back home to teach or maybe a school much closer uh, than Phillipsburg. <clears throat> but if we can get our diverse students um, that into these centenary uh, dual enrolled courses, it's most, most likely in four years, the greatest opportunity they're going to have for a position is in Phillipsburg. So I think it is establishing that pipeline and, and, you know, if you start with one or two students, uh, it's not long until you have five, six, seven, or eight, and you're slowly changing the percentage of, of, uh, of, of non-white teachers that you have in your district. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to take time. Uh, it's going to take, take a lot of effort. Uh, you know, we had talked about working with Warren County Community College and whether they'd be interested in sponsoring, you know, any uh, Students, uh, any any minority students that were interested in pursuing a four day four year ed, uh, uh, education or four year degree in education, they could go to Warren County Community College for the first two years for free, and that then if they came back, um, then they could go to you know they'd have to pay for their the next two next two years, and then we would like sort of guarantee them a job in our district, like it would be sort of a, this you know this 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 building this internal, the internal structures to have these students come back. Um, uh, you know, we, those things, they just, they're, they're difficult to get going. You know, they really are. And uh, it's not to make excuses. They're just difficult to get going. But I think the dual enrollment program that we have with Centenary has really helped um, at least get a decent amount of students going in the positive direction to pursue education. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been, it's been good. It's been good to watch and it's been good to see it grow. Well, one, yeah, one of the things that uh, I think Phillipsburg is really noted for is, is uh, pride in their community and pride in their school systems. So uh, in a district that I used to teach at, uh, it was remarkable how many of the teachers went to that high school. Um, do you find that, uh, is there much of your staff that are uh, alumni of uh, Beaverg High? Yeah, I would, Fred, I would think that it's, it's a pretty decent number. I don't know this, you know, the exact percentage off the top of my head, but I, I think it is a pretty good number of candidates uh, that come back and, you know, alumni of the, of, the, of the high school that come back and teach in the district. Um, so you already, you kind of already have that culture going where um, it, it, you can cultivate your own. Uh, it's just going to take a while to get through that pipeline, I would imagine. Yes, Absolutely. You know, uh, Greg, another uh, um, thing that would kind of be, I, I would categorize it as, as a fairly easy fix if the legislators had the, um, uh, you know, the will to do it. Uh, the same as the residency requirement, it, it, the reciprocity rules in New Jersey need to be loosened up a little bit. So, for example, 
in Pennsylvania, they have those uh, differentiated um, uh, certifications for uh, special ed, right? I think there are three of them. When a student gets one of those at a Pennsylvania school and then wants to come and teach in New Jersey, New Jersey does not recognize any of those three certificates to be the equivalent of New Jersey's Teacher of Students with Disabilities certificate. Can you believe that? I, I do believe it because, you know, we have that. You know, we have, we're working with a lot of those Pennsylvania certificated staff uh, and we have to work through those, you know, those, uh, the, jump through those hoops. It's really frustrating because, you know, the thing that makes somebody a great teacher is, you know, getting a classroom, surrounding them with great support, getting them a real good mentor, making sure they're getting the adequate professional development they need, um, and really keeping, you know, having having good leadership and, and uh, leadership around them administratively, um, and, and and really being positive with them for their first year or two. And not, none of none of the things that are required, uh, you know, the EdTPA and and, the, and these tests that kids are required to take. Um, you know, I just don't know what the correlation is between how well you do on those tests and how well, how good of a teacher you are. Um, I think we all know the four or five things that really equate and, and, and would, you know, put, you know, up the IQ point, so to speak, on, on who's a good teacher and who isn't. And none of which, none of the things that these kids, students have to jump through, I believe personally, and I don't have any data to back it up, but I just, just from my personal experiences, uh, equate to, you know, uh, the, the things that they have to do. So um, it, it is what it is. I mean, we, we, you know, we have to play by the rules until the rules are changed. Um, but it's just a, it's, it's a daily, literally, uh, you know, my secretary is responsible for certification. So it's, I, you know, her, my door to her office is always open. I have to go through her office to get out of my office. And it's, it's daily that I hear her on the phone with our county office or, with the candidate, did you change your transcripts in? Did you get your, you know, do you have your routing number? You know, all of these things. It's like, and we can't pay them. What a lot of people don't know is we are not allowed to pay them their salary. So we can we can we can hire somebody at a board agenda item that says move to approve Jim Smith as a social studies teacher at Phillipsburg High School, pending receipt of certification within sixty days, pending you know security clearance a physical as recommended by the superintendent. So we get in their subsert, they start, they're not permitted to be paid until, until they're actually certificated. So it's not uncommon to have some people work. Now we can go back to the month that they're certificated. So if they get their certificate February 1st, we can go back to February 1st, but we can't go back to January 1st. So it's a roll of the dice for some of these individuals, especially coming from Pennsylvania, that may have a full-time job, but they want to come over to Peaberg, you know, for whatever reason, uh, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice. I mean, to, 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 to know that their certificate is going to be granted and they're not going to be required to take a test that may take six weeks to register for and get results back. So that's all. <laughs> that it, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to uh, uh, go and take a teacher prep program out of state to get an out of state um, teaching license. If you're going to have to jump through more hoops when you come back because you want to teach in New Jersey. You might as well get that license in New Jersey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we have, you know, we have a lot of kids because we're pretty close to East Stroudsburg. I mean, we're only 30 miles from East Stroudsburg University. So we do have a decent amount of kids that'll go to Kutztown. Kutztown's about 40 miles in the East Stroudsburg. 
and you know they they and they'll contact us in April or May of their senior year. Uh, I'm going to be. I'm going to. You know, I just finished my student teaching. And the first thing I'll say to them is, start your New Jersey teaching certification process. Start it now. You know, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of them just don't understand. They don't understand that there is a you know there's a bureaucratic process to get through, um, and they have to begin it. They have to begin the process early, or they're just not going to get their license. Now we can, as you probably know, Tim, that once we onboard someone and we hire them, and that we have an intent to hire them. We have, a, we have a mechanism that we can expedite their certification. So that kind of moves it from the middle or the bottom of the pile to the top of the pile. And generally with an expedite, we can get there, we can get an answer within two to three weeks. So that, that's something nice. And I don't even know how that works. I just know that my secretary has the ability and understands the process and networking to get through whoever she needs to get through to expedite a certificate. That's right. Uh, through the county office, I think, uh, right. you know, kind of help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tim, it is the county office. Yeah, they help with that, uh, you know, to do the expedited uh, review. But And they've been very generous with that lately, which has been a great thing. But there was a time when they when uh, they would, you know, kind of scrutinize your request for an expedited uh, uh, review. Uh, and they'd say, why do you need this? You know, don't you have any other candidates and uh, et, et cetera? It's crazy. Uh, which which leads me to the uh, maybe the last thing that we'll talk about um, uh, on certification uh, piece is the emergency certs, right? Um, that that's another tool that they could use as a temporary fix to uh, uh, kind of grant emergency certifications to uh, teachers uh, in in uh, those subject areas that are in short supply, just to get through this shortage period until they figure something out. Um, what do you think about that? So in other words, I'm, I'm not saying bring somebody in off the street and give them an emergency cert, but have somebody that may, might be, let's say, a, a, a K-6 uh, certified teacher has, uh, you know, some, um, some ability to teach math or science, give them a, uh, a math, an emergency math certificate, um, and, and let them teach math. They're, they, they've still been trained as a teacher. Yeah, I mean, we've used, we, we haven't used the emergency cert process the way you sort of just described uh, in terms of maybe a K-6 and getting them math certified. We've used them for nurses and we've used them for special education because if you hold, and you know this better than me, but I believe if you hold an instructional endorsement that you are eligible immediately for an emergency special education certificate as long as you're enrolled in a, a course of study and you have to do it within three years. Something yes. along those lines, right. right. So we, we, we've done that, um, you know, with individuals that have come on without the special ed endorsement, just the single, you know, the regular instructional endorsement. And we've, we've onboarded them and we've gotten them special ed emergency certified. Special ed is our biggest issue right now. It's a growing, yeah. we have over 30, we have over 30% special ed in our district. Um, and we're just, we just have a lot of special ed teachers. And so Inevitably, when you have a lot of special ed teachers, you have a lot of maternity leaves, you have, you know, FMLA leaves, you have, um, you know, you have turnover, people retiring, people you need to, to bring on board, or you just have new, you have a need for more special ed teachers uh, because, you know, IEPs demand X amount of, uh, X amount of uh, teachers. Um, and so you just need to do it. And so special ed has been our biggest challenge. And I'm telling you, five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, Special ed teachers were everywhere. 
They were everywhere. You have an opening and you'd have you'd have 15 applicants. Right. And so I don't I don't know whether or not like more there's been more special ed needs and this the the, the, the pool of candidates have just been spread throughout the state. Um <clears throat> You know, New Jersey has a you know a, a, certainly a Cadillac program for special education, and rightfully so. Those kids deserve um, to to have uh, IEPs that meet their needs. Um, and, and you know, we certainly feel we have great special education programs here in our district, uh, but we have we just are not seeing the special education teachers that we once saw, um, and uh, that's that's uh, that's concerning as well because you know it can be a litigious field. Um, yeah, as sure. you know, and and so we know not being able to fill the requirements of an IEP because you don't have the teaching staff um, isn't going to go very far at an administrative you, hearing. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. The administrative law judge is not going to not going yeah. to so. Uh, so we're we're very we're very cognizant of that. But the, the emergency cert route uh, we haven't used for uh, like I said for 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 regular certification. We've used it pretty heavily for special ed nurses. The uh, uh, the emergency uh, procedure that I was discussing that's not in use right now. I mean, there are only certain certifi certificates that the state will issue on an emergency basis. But I'm, I was thinking if they expanded that a little bit, they might be able to start hitting some of these other things like world language, um, you know, upper upper level uh, physics, et cetera. Well, there's another certificate that used to be in place: the Comprehensive Science Certificate. Uh, where a science teacher who had that could teach any science class in the high school, and then they got rid of that. And and as soon as they got rid of that, they automatically created the shortage for physics teachers. Yeah, you can't even find it. You, you can't you can't even find a physics teacher. I mean, I, you know, we 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 stole Belvedere's physics teacher two years ago uh, because our physics teacher took a a, a a physics position up in Picatinny Arsenal. Um, and you know, outside of the teaching profession, and we, we, I felt bad, but we, we took theirs, um, and you know, there, there was literally no. There was one candidate, and she's from Phillipsburg, Lafayette graduate, alternate route candidate, um, and uh, you know, we were just very fortunate. She had a desire to come back home. Well, we kind of talked uh, talked our way through this topic uh, pretty well. Uh, you know, it, it's not something that's going to go away overnight. I think we're going to be dealing with it for several years now. Uh, until things kind of level out, uh, either legislatively or, um, you know, more people coming into the field. Um, but, Greg, uh, on behalf of Fran and I, we really thank you for taking the time to talk to us tonight. Um, and uh, we're really very appreciative of everything that you've done. You've been listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. Centenary University.